0: can't understand why It happened But you couldn't see me Through the pain I caught every tear As they were falling When you lost your heart That day Yeah, you lost your heart That day Now you only see Through broken lenses Trying to keep your head above the shame You believe the lie that I am distant But I hold you every day Yeah, I hold you every day
1: Yeah, You get a heart. You know, so you're getting a heart. Go ahead and shout and bless God for that. Somebody that's been looking for a new job, and they told me, they said, a few weeks ago, you said by Thursday. And said, So I applied for a job, say, before Thursday. Before Thursday. And they found out they got an interview coming up. Come on, celebrate. And yeah. God. And he's gone We be a blessed people, because that Bible says, and as my pastor says, the book is right and they are wrong. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: I thought I was in a Christian church. I said the book is right and they are wrong. And the book says in Proverbs chapter three that the righteous say, the righteous. You want to get right with God and change your life. The righteous have favor with God and with people. So go ahead and shout and celebrate that you got favor if you're in a right standing relationship with God. It's yours. You just got to possess it. Do you know the Bible says the Holy Spirit is simply the down payment? The Holy Spirit's not the full possession. He's just the down payment. Some of you got a down payment to purchase something, but you never use what's been placed only inside of you to purchase a possession. Yeah. Amen. Right, God, I can preach that to I didn't say it, the Bible says it. Come on. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. Yeah. Woo! Some of you still sitting on a car lot with a down payment in your hand and you haven't got in the vehicle and drove off and just seen how good it can be to ride on the journey of faith with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well I want to read this. Will this reach with me? Or do we have a wife that'll work? I can Let's see if that'll work. Praise <laughs> We got new microphones and a whole new sound system in the back. We're about to put in. Won't you get off today? teach you just a little bit about what I want to gather around the altar and pray about tonight. That'd be all right. Yeah. So stay, stay standing because I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to talk for a moment, show <laughs> you something, and then we're going to pray. Your Bible says this. I want you to hear. It says that when, it says Joshua, let's say Joshua. Joshua <laughs> says Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is a spirit. You can't get it from a book. Yeah. Amen. You get knowledge. Come on in, teens. We'd love to have you. Amen. Come on yeah. in. Spirit, wisdom is a spirit. So you can't get it from reading. It's a spirit. Say it's a spirit. spirit. It's one of the seven spirits of God. And so it says Joshua Receive the Spirit of Wisdom because, say because. because. So what's because mean? It means this This is why and how he received it. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. He, he got it when he went to school. Nope. No better say that. <laughs> got it when he knelt down and prayed, isolated by himself. Nobody did he get that with Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. You ought to hang out with people that got something they can deposit into your life. The only reason that Joshua would receive the spirit of wisdom was from the laying of the hands from Moses that already possessed it. Call that in theology impartation. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now come over here, Pastor Kim, for just a moment. I didn't ask you to do this, but I'm so glad you did. You got that wonderful shirt on. Come up here so they can see it. Look at, look at that. We call that legacy. You see our people wearing this all the time, the sword. Say the sword. sword. And it's got some really cool names on there, like Wigglesworth. If you've never read anything about Wigglesworth, you read it. He raised 16 people from the dead, one of them being his wife. Come on, you can't even get your kids out of the bed. He raised 16 people that were dead out of the bed. Come on, Howard. (laughs) Howard Carter, who was in prison as a missionary and got the revelation about the the gifts of the Spirit so that we could understand them and took our understanding to a whole new level. See, we'd have been in prison whining and complaining and saying, I don't belong in here. He was praying and receiving revelation from God. Come on. And then, of course, Doctor Sumrall, Pastor Parsley, your pastor, and then look at that beautiful name on their legacy, going. You know, pastor Kim Gabbard and Blake's got one. We got one for Kim. Aren't you thankful for our pastors that are continuing yeah. their education and linking their legacy? But some of you don't know the significance of the sword. Why? Why is that a sword? Well, there's the passing of the sword. You've heard the story that Pastor Parsley. When he was really young, like in his real early 20s, pastoring the first church. And I'd love to take you all there someday and show you, because it would blow your mind, you've been in there, how much it looks like this sanctuary. I mean, it has the cross just like this, only we've, you know, we've bedazzled it, right? (laughs) (laughs) But the similarity is so beautiful. But he was in that original church, and in the middle of worship, he got that vision. Of the swinging of the sword. And I don't have to go into that, you know what you've heard. Years later, when Dr. Summerall came into his life and had mentored him, pastored him, become his spiritual father, Dr. Summerall, knowing that he was about to step out of this world and receive his final reward in eternity. Nothing was wrong with him, he wasn't sick, there was nothing, he just knew his time was coming to an end. And so Dr. Summerall passed the sword. He, he passed the mantle to Dr. Summer, to Pastor Parsley, and then two other spiritual sons. Pastor Parsley is the only one still on the planet serving. The other two are now going to heaven. I want you to watch this impartation and, and the passing of the sword tonight before we go to prayer. So stay standing with me and watch history. Here's why. I was in a meeting this week, and they said this. Their history is our inheritance.
3: Yeah,
1: so watch this for just a moment. Watch this for just
4: a moment. Turn it up a little bit. Spiritual leadership goes out of here to the ends of the earth. And we believe as you heard the pastor say that our attachment is very strong. Our attachment is still strong. When he has a problem. I have a problem. And I don't lose the problem it stays with me day and night, you see. You say, why? There's an attachment of the spirit inside. And I wish at this moment for all that may be within my spirit, that all may be in my heart, that I can pass it to him. Whatever anointing the Lord may have put upon my life, whatever vision <clears> of <throat> saving the world, See those flags over here that represent the world? Whatever vision is in my heart, it'll burn so bright or brighter in his heart. So leaving the parading sword to one side. The militant sword. that went through the groaning and the crying of battle. If you look at it, you'll see that it's all marked. Both sides has been well used. And tonight, we believe that this sword represents the passing of something from an elder that had ministered 63 years to a younger who is reaching so strong. And so we wish to pass the sword along to the pastor of this church and his wife. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you put your hands on, I present to you this soul. And I believe that this will be a night that we shall all be in. And I believe that this will be a night that God's holy anointing will increase. And even the healing power will be evident your life. In Jesus' name. This beautiful companion, so companion, that both of you will be blessed. Will be
5: blessed. Ah,
4: Receive now. Speak in tongues That's good. <laughs>
1: Now would you just honor God for that moment? sword is not my sword it's our sword and i didn't want to do this on a sunday morning when the cameras were rolling and i didn't want to put it all over because this is not a trophy when i received this i said what a great mantle and what a great reminder to walk worthy And so to pray tonight, I want you to understand that our ministry is not simply just a small local church. We're here to change a culture. Amen. We're here to excite our riots. We are here to bring revival to the land. We're here to be a voice to the nation and a voice to the city. We are here to be a voice to a eternal. And so, how would I, for all, Pastor Kevin, you ought to be up here. Come on. I want to get warned you closer. you ought to be up here. Amy, anyway, come up here. I want to invite all of you that, that are in covenant with me, with the, the ministry. so if, if you're in covenant with us in ministry, I want you to gather around this altar, and I want you to, to help hold this sword up tonight, and we're going to pray together, so come on, gather around guys, hold the sword. hold that up, hold that up come on, get closer, let me get in get, in, get closer, come on, gather around gather around come on, put your hand on the sword, and put your hand on somebody that has the hand on the sword Come on. Come on. It's not a trophy. It's a mantle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Not something that's been earned, It's something that's been received. Yeah. And the call that's on my life is on your life. Right. Together we serve. Yes. We've been called to be a holy people. Now, I, I want you to hear that. We've been called to be a holy people. Yeah. It means we don't lie. Not with our mouths and not with our wallets either. Right. Amen. I'd be afraid to take, touch that thing if I wasn't being honest before God. I might die like somebody mm-hmm. else in Acts. New Testament. Amen. Somebody right now is thinking, i got to write a check, get my tithe gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just being real. Yeah. We don't go to work and act like a devil. Mm-hmm. No. We go to work as a representation of Jesus Christ on the earth
3: you hear me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We don't back by and complain. We don't post on our social media stuff that's not honorable, that is divisive. Yeah. Yeah. We do things that will, that will uplift and be effective and encourage and promote the goodness of Jesus. Yeah. We don't just think about church on Sunday and Thursday. No. We think about the kingdom every day of the week. We understand the seriousness of the excitement. So tonight, I bring the sword, not to my house, but to
4: God's house,
1: where it will stay, because it's not mine, it's ours. I didn't get it by myself, I got it with your help. But take a good look at that. Don't ever forget it. Don't forget the mantle that we have. Don't forget who and what we represent. Joshua received every promise Moses ever had. Tonight, I want you to ask God to give to us every promise He's given to my pastor, his pastor, Leonard Ravenhill, all the mentors, all the people connected that were before us. Pastor partially teaches no anointing that was ever on the earth leaves the earth. It's just waiting for somebody to pick it up. Tonight, we pick it up. We pick it up. Let's pray together. Come on. Begin to pray right now. Lift up your voice. Come on. Come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Come on. We pray. We We pray We thank you.
5: he's for betrayal is my glory here on this our ever for but we pray that workplaces will be changed and transformed and Holy across this region because of you God and allow we allow because of us allowing you to work in, in us, us. hallelujah but uh, uh, we, we pray in the name of Jesus that homes will be transformed across this region because of you working through us and in our lives but we pray that our neighbors will be changed and transformed because of you and our willingness to let Yes, hallelujah. Oh, we pray in the name of Jesus that school systems will be transformed yes, across this region because of what you're doing in our young people's lives. Yes, oh, we pray God, in the name of Jesus up. that you give us a desire and unction to go out there and spread the gospel to the four corners of the world while we're doing whatever you call us to do and equip yes, us Father. to do. Oh, we pray in the name of Jesus that we'll rise up to this occasion like we have never done before. Oh, yeah. oh we pray in the name of your church will lay aside doctrinal disturbances and yes. doctrinal issues yes. 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 so that we can band together like the yes. fathers of old yes. yes. under the blood-stained yes. banner of Jesus Christ yes. Yes. and usher the kingdom into this earth. Yes. Oh, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will set apart times for communion with you, Father, yes. so that we can do it alone and we can do it corporately, yes. Lord. Oh, we pray that you give us the desire to fall flat on our face wherever we're And cry out with an agony and a burden for the lost that are out there in this world. Oh, we pray in the name of Jesus that you release the anointing that that was manifested in Cain Reach, Kentucky, 220 years ago, God. So that we can see a great move, a great revival. That we can see thousands and thousands of people come across the hills of Appalachia just because they want to be in your presence. God, we pray for signs and wonders and miracles in this nation in this region, Lord, we pray for those that have been bound to the government to to depend on them, Father, they'll be bound only to you and your provision. God, we pray that those that have been bound to programs that take care of their food issues and, and the social programs that A spirit of prosperity, God, because it is in Your Word. Hallelujah! Amen. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that You open up the ivory palaces of heaven and that You pour out uh, blessings that cannot be contained on those who are just wanting to get by in life. And Father, we pray that You give us a desire not to just live and to dwell here on this earth, but to take dominion over this earth and subdue it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah!
2: Hallelujah,
1: hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And she got me a shirt that says the chosen, and on the back it says, "What's it say? It says, get used to different. get used to, dif- to different. Yeah. And so, so hold on just a second here, and, and I want you to hold this for me. <coughs> and I want you to pray for the new difference. Pray for that difference.
3: So long hasn't worked. Amen. We need your spirit. Yes. We have been blanketed, boarded, and cribbed. (laughs) or <laughs> something.
1: Sit in the pews and watch somebody else sing, watch somebody else preach. Yeah. It's not it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. If you didn't watch Pastor Carson's message last night, you need to go watch it. Because there's none of us that can preach it at the level he preached it. And it wasn't what he had planned to preach. He got up, he discerned people didn't know what he was talking about about the subject, and they quit. And then when the cameras got off, we were there for a whole other hour, Just is incredible. But he said this. He said, "You call yourself a Christian, but you don't know. You don't know what time it is. We haven't read the Bible. We don't know. We don't know what time it is. And so you think that it's that it's fall. You think it's September. No, it's New Year's, according to God's calendar. (coughs) According to God's calendar, we're in the ten days of all, getting ready to go to the Day of Atonement in less than ten days. Now it's a new year. It's a brand new season." Right now. What a brand new season. It's happy new year. And as a church, we've stepped into a brand new season. Look at all the newness that is happening right now. You think it's coincidence that God put it right now on the Hebrew New Year, God's calendar year, the newness? No, God's very strategic and calculated. It's a new season. And so I want to pray one of the things we're doing in this new season. We just started this television ministry. What we preach here is now going to millions. Say millions. Millions. I mean millions of people all around the world. Only God. Only God would raise up a voice in a little town like this and take it all across the world. To cry out and call. Humanity to repent of their sins, come back to the place of the cross, to live right, believe right, even if it requires you to die. Amen. So, Jim, I want you to pray. Put your hand on that sword. Help her hold that sword. Come on, rotate. Put your hands on that sword, people. That's heavy. Because it's a heavy load, it's a heavy ministry. Jim, I want you to pray specifically for the television ministry. That in the same way, the sword represents Dr. Summerall, all that he reached, millions and millions on the television, Pastor Parson, the television. I want you to pray for us as we take this message on television, that it would continue and expand and people around the globe would repent their sins and turn to Christ, that nations would be changed because of what we're putting on the television Pray.
2: Pray, Lord, that we just pray that by the power of your spirit, Lord, that this would just continue. God, the kingdom is multiplication. And God, you are multiplied through your spirit, Lord. We just pray that you would cause us to have a God. We believe this. We pray as if it's already done, God. We know it's your heart towards those
5: who are in God we
1: Kim, I want you to stand right here, and I want Jessica right there. Where's Jerry? He's doing a wonderful job trying to keep our equipment that don't work very well working. on you. Set that down for me. Okay. I want you to come up here, and I want you to I want you to stand right next to Kim, and
6: then I want I want mindful. Why aren't you so thankful? Well, I didn't know how yeah. much you yeah. loved
1: Sword together. Take it from Now, come on. This is beautiful. Because this is a guy that just come on, put your kid get over here. Don't stab anybody. Arrow, arrow. There you go. Now, listen to me. I'm flowing in the morning right now. I'm not joking. me. This is beautiful. Here's Michael that just got out of prison. Shout for the Lord that he's out of prison. Come on. Come on. The greatest days of his life are in front of him. And here he was helping to hold the mantle, to hold the sword of the ministry because God was sitting in the cell. God already saw this moment that he'd be standing in this yeah. church helping he to hold the sword. He didn't have to take a membership class. Right. He didn't have to sit in the basement, go through 17 sessions and check right. through a checklist. God just put his anointing on in the and made him yeah. family. Hallelujah. Woo. And he's holding the sword with those on our team that are committed to go to the jail so that we can go every week in Lawrence County, and share this gospel with those that are still behind bars. And so I want you to pray with me, and then we're going to go on and have a message for just a little bit tonight. I want to pray in this season for the other Michaels. Say the other Michaels. Come on, because God's got some more sons and daughters that are incarcerated that need to be set free. God's got some people. He's doing some things. Come on, like Nick Whitman that was in prison and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and came out one of the greatest preachers in Appalachia. God's got some more that are on the inside, get ready to be on the outside and shake this nation. So reach forth your hands. Put your hands on them in agreement. Come on. Thank God for Jerry. He's going into the jails. Come on. Come on. I mean, thank God. Thank God. When we said we needed your help, he you didn't say, well, I'm uncomfortable, I don't know what I'm doing. And if he didn't say that, they didn't tell me. Oh, I got the message was he said yes. Thank God for people that say yes. I said thank God for people that say yes. Father, I pray your blessing and your anointing upon these sons and daughters. I pray for Rick and Jessica as they walk inside of the jail for the anointing of God to be upon them. I pray God for the Mothers to be upon them. I pray, God, for Pastor Kim for your anointing to be upon her as she walks through the cell. I pray, God, for the anointing of God to be upon Jared. I pray, Lord, that when they walk into the prison, Lord, that they can. that cancer could not survive yeah. in the jail. I pray God for every inmate that goes in with cancer yeah. to walk out with no cancer. Yeah. I pray God for everyone that walks in with arthritis to walk out without. Yeah. I pray God for a healings, miracles, signs and wonders. I pray for the jail to become the church house. Yeah.
2: I pray for it to become the dwelling place of God yeah. almighty. You took Joshua everywhere
1: yeah. that you step your foot, you possess. So we sing tonight with the sword in hand. We're about to possess that gem in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and slap him in. store managers. You're raising up thinkers. You're raising yeah. up politicians. You're raising yeah. up preachers. I'll just go ahead and proclaim by faith that the best our city
2: has ever seen yeah. is coming yeah. house and you're bringing them out. But
1: yeah. we thank you, God, for the songs that we grew up here. Yeah. That song from Bill and Gloria Gator that they baptized Jesse Taylor, that they put it down in the water and he didn't cheat anymore. And he didn't lie anymore. God, we Spirit. We thank you. Just as you've been moving in the recovery centers, you're going to move in the jail. Yeah. We thank you for the baptism of the water and spirit that is coming to that place. Yeah. In Jesus' name. All God's people said. Amen. 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 You can try to find your sheep while Pastor Blake tries to scramble to put a message together. <laughs> I ask you to not, if we haven't already, let's not put any of those pictures on Facebook tonight. Save them for our history. But this is for us tonight. Not something to showcase because it's not a trophy. It's a reminder. Amen. It's not a look at what we receive tonight. They can see what we receive tonight when we walk in what we receive tonight. Amen. Amen. That's it. Yes. So Pastor Blake, I know it's late, but it don't care. If you're going to leave, you can leave. No. And we bless you. We understand it's late, but you got some word. I want you to bring it. We're going to go about 20 minutes. Say 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So, so somebody let the nursery worker know. We're going to go 20 more minutes, and we'll be done. Come on, Pastor Blake. Would you let him know you love?
7: Well, he was saying, he said, if you will go, I'll be with you. There you go. So if I'm not going, then he ain't going to be there. Yeah. But when I show up, he shows up because he's omnipotent, omnipresent, he's already there. But what I'm saying is we need a people that's going to be obedient and go hey, to man. the places that God has called them. Hey, because man. there's something destined and designed to happen in that place. And if we don't show up, we're the ones dropping the ball and failing to meet the mark. And but anyways, that was just free of charge. I'm going to hit you and catch you with that. So we got all a lot of hope to cover. but I mean, obviously we won't cover it all, but we will do our best to get through it. So we stopped last week at around chapters five or six. And Pastor Timo, he mentioned uh, chapter six and seven eight. I can't remember how far he went. But I want to touch on it a little bit, uh, go back rather. So, we're talking about sheepdogs and the art of assisting our pastor, and we're learning how to be better sheepdogs, better leaders, better equipped in ministry to help and serve and do the things that God's called us to do. And in chapter 6, I'm going to try to make it quick, was like a few chapters on the hit and miss, but he talks about success in succession. Now, what is succession? What is that? That means when he leaves, he's going to train someone to do underneath, just like Semraul training parsley. You know, parsley is training and grooming those. That's what it means to have someone in line that is going to follow in suit. But when they come alongside you, they are not there to replace you. They are there to reinforce you until the time comes where they can step in when you decide to step out. Amen? Right. And so he was talking about that. He said, one of the things about sheepdogs is they often can get disgruntled because they can't handle being number two. They can't handle being told what to do sometimes. In order to have a success, you have to raise them up. And I was thinking about that, and I, I thought about this. Everyone feels entitled to a title in this day and age. But if your name isn't good enough, then a the title won't help. You. Right. What good would a title be if name is bad, if your character is bad, if your reputation is bad, that platform will do you no good, because here's the fact, if you won't serve without a title,
2: you won't serve with a title, and matter of fact, a new title won't fix (coughs) old habits, and a good position won't fix bad character, I don't care if they make
7: you a senior pastor and you've got bad character, you're still going to have bad character, I don't care if they make you a senior pastor, old bad habits, are still going to be old bad habits, so getting a title and getting a position
2: doesn't fix those things. And as he talked about the book, he talks about Joshua, Joshua
7: so was number two for so long. And he was finding it that way like, for many years. Not weeks, not days, years. And he did this because he he was faithful and he loved Moses and he loved God. He loved what he did. And Cancel, Campbell says this it takes a certain kind of greatness to stand with and support greatness in another. It takes a certain kind of greatness to stand and support greatness. It
2: does. Because not everybody wants to be the one that holds up their hands. They often want to be the one in the middle that's getting their hands held up. All right.
7: But not everybody can be that number one. So what I'm trying to tell you is he told us in the book. As sheepdogs, see everything circles around. There's a point of what we're saying. We are called to do that as leaders in the church. To uphold his hands. To lift up his arms when he gets tired and to help keep this thing going. He also went on, he said, To be considered successful, you must raise up a successor. That's what Canfield said, and the pastor says that. Our problem in today's church is this, is that the successor hangs around usually long enough to get some spotlight, and then they leave because it was evident they were more concerned with being successful than they was a successor. Mm-hmm. That wasn't so long, I'd say it again. <laughs> but God told me that. God he told me that while I was writing this today, reading about being successful. They only hang around long enough to get enough spotlight and leave the because they was more interested in being successful than they was about being a success story. You know what I mean? Because it was more about them than it was about the vision and God and the church and the group as a whole. Amen. And so then he goes on to chapter eight, and it's called "agreeing but not alike." And I wrote this—the only thing I wrote in this whole book. I love it because I like new things. I like to start them up. Because once I start, I just can't stop. And I just feel it full of stuff. But one of the only things I wrote was this statement. And it was in chapter 8. You can disagree with people
2: and still not disrespect people. That's right. Amen. 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 You can disagree with people
7: and still not disrespect people. Amen. Just because we don't see eye to eye on something doesn't mean we have to have division and cause problems in the church and tear families apart, relationships apart, because we had a, 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 a matter of opinion that was different about something, or we had a, different, a political party. And so he went on and said this, said, becoming a good leader requires knowing what you are and knowing what you are not. Amen. See, there's a difference between identifying and being identical. Identifying means we have things in common, but being identical means we are the same and similar. I was not called to be David Amos, and David Amos is not called to be me. We might have a lot of things similar, and as my spiritual father, I long to be a lot like him, but I do not long to be him. Amen? Amen? I'm not longing to be him. God made one of him. You can never duplicate that. He's enough. But I long, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> 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 like Solomon didn't say there's nothing new under the sun. You're not going to come up with an idea. that I'm pretty sure someone's not able to come up with You just wasn't around to hear it, read it, or have someone tell you about it. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah.
7: Serving requires great sacrifice and surrender. And not everybody can go where you are meant to be. Right. Elisha had to leave the farm to fulfill his future. Yeah. What if he would have held on to that plow? <laughs> what if he would have stayed low, long with mom and dad when Elijah walked by? What if he would have said, you know what? It ain't worth it. I know what he's got is important, but what I'm doing here is more important for right now. But he didn't think about right now. He thought about what's next. And what was next was more important because it got him a double portion and made him a pillar in history Woo! and in the Word of God. So stop letting wrong decisions keep you from the right destiny. Mm-hmm. You can sit there and hold on to that plow. You want to be a good old hard-working boy. and no doubt on that farm as a hard-working boy. There's nothing the wrong with working hard. We commend that. We ensure that. We, we, we hope you do that in this church. Amen. You the hard work no gal, as Kim will tell you. <laughs> chapter 9 goes on, it says a single mantle, but a double anointing. I like that. Single mantle, but a double anointing. And they talk about, are you willing to pursue? Or are you willing to pursue? <laughs> are you willing to pursue and persevere? Those two different th- Are you willing to pursue and persevere? Are you willing to do what it takes? And here's what he was talking about. And he said, Elisha followed Elijah. And when he did, he went to four different places. And every time he, got there, he went to Gilgal, and he said, God has called me to Jordan. God has called me to Bethel. God has called me here. You stay here. And you know what Elisha did? Elisha said, where do you go? I'm going to go. And he followed him. And that showed him right there that he was ready for the things of God. And he was going to be there when he left this earth. He said, where you go, I'm going. What you need, I'll be there. Your hands are dirty, I'll help wash them. You need help, I'm right here with you. And he didn't leave. Mm
2: -hmm.
7: See, many start, but few finish. Elder Danfield said this, no, God is not at the uh, starting line handing out trophies. (laughs) He hands them out at the finish line. But we live in a society that wants trophies yeah. for just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> I need a yeah. ribbon. Everybody gets a ribbon, participation trophy. That's why we ruined our society, because we commended everybody for being a part of the team, and they never did nothing. Amen. Look at the on those faces. They're like,
2: no, boy, we
7: don't do that in softball. <laughs>
2: Elisha left
7: all he knew to serve and follow <laughs> Elijah. Because he knew the end was worth the beginning. That right there, if I, if I, if I heard God say anything at all, that was the most important thing he said every day. me that he knew that the end was worth the beginning. He knew that it was worth leaving his family, putting down that plow. Matter of fact, if, I, if I'm correct, he took the oxen, he burned them all, offered them up as a sacrifice, he burnt the plow and all that stuff too. <laughs> And offered it to God and used it because he said there's nothing to go back to. Mm -hmm. When I leave this place and I step on into my destiny, I'm following that man of God. And uh, he said this. He said, in order to be a prophet, you need to follow a prophet. And so Elisha did what he knew to do. He followed Elijah. Amen. So let's hear some good stuff from Dr. Sumrall. Dr. Sumrall believed in earning your way, which nobody preaches that today except in our church. And he also believed in maturing in the way. See, there's some people say it like this. They say, well, I'm tired and I get weary. You may get tired in the way, but we don't get tired of the way. Right. You know what I'm saying? We, we might get tired in the way, but not of the way. And Sumrall says we need people that are willing to be mature in Christ. Because he said there was many people, more, maybe more that he laid or that he didn't lay hands on that he laid hands on. Because they would come up and say, Lay your hands on us, give us your anointing. I want what you've got. And he said,
3: I'm not putting my
7: hands on you. And he said, because chances are you be willing to pay the price for what I will pay the price. You're not able to hold what I'm going to give to you. And and, and said it like this. He said, You can't pour a gallon of water into a six-ounce cup. You'll waste more than you'll do good with. You'll spill more water because where you're at right now in your life is not able to contain the anointing that that man carries. So don't try to take what is his. Don't beg for what's his because you're not equipped right now to have it and receive it. I'm not saying there's not a time that you can't. I'm metaphorically speaking, by the way. You know? (laughs) But what I mean is there's comes times in my life I can look back now. I remember when when, when I when I quit my job and I went out in the full-time ministry, and I just thought that I knew everything, and I thought it was going to be so great. And if I was Abraham leaving my foreign country, and I was going to a people that I didn't know and they didn't know me, and God was going to put me on TV, and the money was going to come in, and we was just going to tell everybody about Jesus. And it wasn't about being uh, rich or nothing. I ain't never had money anyways, so I don't care. I'm used to being poor. <laughs> So I'm, I am not that. But I just wanted to tell people about Christ and have doors of opportunity. And God finally told me, this one day, he said, you know what? He said, if you won't go to the rehab in Sardisville, he said, you're not worth preaching on a big platform right. on TV. Amen. If amen. you won't leave your county to serve <coughs> God, you won't leave the country to serve God. So don't tell me you're called to the Philippines if you won't go to Carter County and preach to people. Amen. It's pretty simple. And, and, I, and I remember looking out at the old Baptist church one day and I said, God, fill this place. I want you to fill her up. Give me 100 people. Put them in here. Let's have a Bible. He said, I team, you, take care of the 40 and then we'll consider 400. But if you won't take care of the 40, you won't take care of the 400. And I was like, wow, so there's so many things I've learned along the way from God. It's not that my heart was wrong, Tim. It's not that my motives were wrong, Billy. Really. It's just I wasn't in a place in my assignment, in my walk with God where I could recognize what he was doing and I was a little more immature than I thought. That, <laughs> that's hard to stand to tell people that. Yeah. But the truth is I've learned to be comfortable with who I am and what I am. I know what I am and I know what I'm not. And I'm good at being a good Blake instead of a bad David. I will be a good me any day of the week and try to impersonate him and fail at it. I will be more successful at doing what God's called me to do and what you've been called to do, and what Rick's been called to do. We will achieve more working together instead of trying to be like everybody. Who wants a hundred of me? No, <laughs> oh, you don't want that. No. Trust <laughs> <laughs> no. I just want you know. I just need half of it. <laughs> He's too much anyways.
2: <laughs>
7: Dr. Summerall, I-, I love this part. Dr. Sumrall visited Smith Wigglesworth house. <laughs> Every ten days, every ten days, get this, he went every ten days to Smith Wigglesworth house. and he visited with him, and he heard him (coughs) pray, and he heard God impart stuff to him, and why do you think that all this got passed along? Because he invested in it, and you know what's interesting, he said this, he said for two years, He went every 10 days to Wigglesworth House. And here's what blew him away. It wasn't the prayers that made the difference. It was. He he admired them. He said, this is what really taught him. It's in the book. He said, not one time did anybody else show up. A man who changed the world and only one person was hungry enough to go after what he had. And why do you think Sumrall had what he had? Because he was willing to go get what he wanted. To go get what was on somebody else. He said, I'm willing to pay the price. He said, matter of fact, I never heard anybody talk about coming to that house except me. And he wasn't bragging. He wasn't bragging at all. He was just being truthful. So we go on and we look and he said "He said this. He said, before the throne comes the towel." He was talking about serving and talking about surrendering and talking about uh, all the different things. Campbell talked about. He learned in his life. He said Jesus walked with his disciples, served with them, and he received. They received from him. But before the throne came, the towel came, yeah. and he said the towel is a universal sign of service. Campbell said that. And before Jesus knelt, or Jesus knelt long before he ever sat, long before he ever sat on his throne, he knelt before his disciples and served him. And he washed their feet. And he told them that he loved them. And he taught them a principle. A principle. He said, I want you to do this every time. I want you to do this as an example of service one to another. See, we're all fine with being ministers, but are we fine with being servants? Amen. <laughs> are, yeah. we, are we fine with being servants? Or we're fine with, with doing stuff in here, but are we are we willing to go there shallow and be the servant? Is there a difference between a minister and a servant? And chapter 10, he goes on, and, and I'll wrap this up. I'm gonna skip a few chapters. But he said in chapter 10, he talks about being an example to the flock. And I talked a little bit about this already. Sheep are led, they are not made to be driven. If you try to drive sheep, you'll just push them everywhere. And this is something though I thought of scared sheep or scattered sheep. Right. They are. They, and it don't take common sense to know that. So what he was talking about in the book. When, when when I wrote that down, he was saying, be in, in examples, all of us, is, is in the church. So if you hear something bad in the church, don't build on it and add to it and say, well, you know what? That's probably true. I heard that too. But you know what? Say, you know what? You know, be confident about something and say, you know what, okay, let's talk about other things in the church. Let's do things that edify God. Let's do things that edify this church and build it up instead of trying to tear it down. Trust me, the world will spend enough time trying to tear you down. We don't need to do it in God's church house. Amen? Amen. If you don't stand together, then we will surely fall. And I had a story, but we'll skip back because I'm running out of time. Chapter 11. It's called The Shepherd's Thing, Not Your Thing. And it's talking about the shepherd being the boss and being the, you know, so to speak, the the leader of the group. And he said in the book, many members and ministers are often quick to play the, if I was the shepherd
2: game.
7: (laughs) You know, if this was my church, I would paint the wall of this color. Now, if it was my church, I'd put this color carpet in, you know what I mean? It's it's amazing how many people have so many great opinions of what he should do. I, I guess I'm just going to get stuck <laughs> hammering this in, and I'll take the blame for it. That's all right. You know what I mean? I got big shoulders. But it's always easier when you're on the outside looking in at what he's doing. Amen. It's always easier to tell him what he should do when instead of you being the one that should do it. It's always easier to let him take the fall or her take the fall when really we should come alongside and help them achieve these goals instead of complaining what they didn't do or what they should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> when has that ever built anything in America? When has that ever built anything in the church by talking about where they failed? Yeah, Never, not one single time. But here's one thing you need to know. Just because you have a good idea does not mean it's God's idea.
2: Right. No. And I remember,
7: we talked about this on the stage, and I talked about decisions that time we all got up here and talked. And, and I was talking about decisions, and I said, Just because it's a good decision doesn't mean it's God's decision. Just because King David wanted to build the temple doesn't mean he had a bad heart or bad motives. He just had a bad idea. Yeah. Because even when his own people, Nathan the prophet, said, Go do all that is in your heart, O king. He even had people come alongside him, supporting him. Other church members saying, Yeah, it's a good idea, do it until God finally came and said, no, I don't think so, Scooter. Solomon is going to do it. (laughs) That's my version of it. But God said, I don't think so. Your son is going to do it. I'm going to use you to fund it. You're going to pay for it. He's going to build it. And so you see how he could easily, he could have stopped his son's destiny. Solomon was meant to build it. But what if David got greedy and said, I want the power. I want to build God's temple. I want to do it he would have interfered with the destiny of his son. And I thought, how many times have we interfered with the destiny of others, even with good intentions, even when we thought it was a good idea, even when we thought it was a good decision? Two things that you'll get when people's trying to convince the pastor of why it's a good idea. Elder Campbell talked about this. He said you get support you get stamina. Number one, you get support because they'll always go find other people. And then they'll come at him and try to convince him to do something they want him to do. Now, that don't really work real good here. If you've done it at other churches, that's fine. You might get away with it. I'm just letting you know, just stop at the door. <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't even
7: try. It's useless. It's not going to work. But I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> it happen. And he tells this story about a bus. He tells this story about how these people had an idea they wanted a bus. And they said, you know what? They went to the pastor. They pitched him this big idea. They told him how great it was, how it was affordable. And they had this community full of people they was gonna pick up, and they had all these volunteers, and it was all great. And I'm not making this up; this is in the book. And so, they, you know, he said, "I don't really feel good about it. I, I don't think I think we need to wait." And they said, "Oh no, Pastor! And they just kept going." And here's where the stamina comes in. When he said no, they kept saying yes. I can throw the mic down right now. When he said no, they kept saying yes. And so they finally wore him down. You know what? This pastor, not that pastor. <laughs> this pastor looked. He said, "You know what? Let's try it. Let's see what happens." First week, they went out, packed that van full. All the deacons come in, and everybody else came, in and they said, "Oh, look what we did! with full." Told you, pastor. Okay, maybe it's a good idea. Second week, third week, fourth week, fifth week, the sixth week, it wasn't so full. It wasn't it Wasn't not full. This was, just wasn't. It was and so this project that started out good as a good idea with good intentions with good people eventually fell apart and it got within two months after all the time it did great, plummeted to nothing. And now they had all this overhead, they had all this expense, all this guys running something they couldn't pay for because they couldn't finish paying for the van. And so what was meant to pay for itself failed Why? Wow, because they could have easily took the pastor's advice and said, no, not right now, but because they didn't want to wait, they went ahead and did it and pushed the issue. And so Kenzo talks about that, talking about how to learn to listen to leadership. And he went on and he talks about this, too. He said, not everyone who is called to be a pastor is equipped to be the pastor. That's important. You need to know the difference. Just because we are a pastor does not mean we are the pastor. Right. Does not mean we are called to be here. If I'm called to be there, I'm fine with that, and that's okay. Because trust me, it's not as easy and as glamorous as it looks. Amen. No. And Campbell said this, in order to have a rainbow, you must first have the rain. But everybody wants the rainbow, don't they? <laughs> but nobody wants the rain. And so chapter 16, we skipped a few. This is where we're closing and we're almost done. He talks about troublesome sheep <laughs> and how to deal with them. And I don't expect anybody to amen me right here, so I'm just going in. <laughs> I'm
2: not
7: going an <laughs> awful A bad taste?
2: I've
7: preached for a while now, so he goes on and talks about how he says dealing with troublesome sheep. And this is Camphill talking, He he listed them, and I just thought it was interesting because you see these people all throughout churches. But here's one thing to understand: sheep are constantly looking for ways out. They look for holes under the fence, gaps in the barn door broken down barbed wire or nobody guarding the door at all. Sheep leave and many follow sometimes. That's the dangerous thing. When some sheep leave, many sheep leave. Yeah. And that's why we have to be careful to watch and help each other. Now here's the thing he said, it's much harder to get them back in than it was to watch them go. Once they get out it's way harder to get them back in. Yeah. yeah. And sheep are very resistant. They refuse even your best efforts. And so the sheep dogs, he said, must be patient. Empathetic, compassionate, and caring. And I added this to it. And you just have to build tolerance to ignorance and arrogance. You do. You just have to build tolerance to ignorance and arrogance. Because that's just how it is. People's gonna be people. And just because me and you don't see eye to eye, or just because you're different than what I imagined or what I thought or you said something. Then I don't want to turn my back on you either. Mm-hmm. So that's why, as leaders and sheep dogs, that's why we are here to help the people. So here's the types, okay? Number one, <laughs> my favorite one really, the spiritually minded ones. Number one, the spiritually minded sheep. These are the ones that are they're so heavily anointed that they're earthly anointed. And what do you really <laughs> They're so spiritual all the time. Everything's about God in the Bible. Like, even going to the bathroom, starting the car, you know, or everything, the devil did it to me. You ever seen one of them? No. My car didn't start. No, maybe because you didn't put the key in it. <laughs> 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 maybe, maybe you left the key fly behind. I don't know. Maybe you didn't put gas in it. Maybe the alternator went out, you know. Maybe this car went out. Just because the car didn't start doesn't mean the devil did it to you. But I've seen so many of them people that dang on, devil. I bet it's because I witnessed last week what it was. Yeah. I went to race Church with Rick and Jessica. That devil smelled me from a mile away. He knew I was evangelizing and maximizing and getting things going. Yeah. And so they, they often make such a big job, everything, because they're very, very spiritual. But here's one thing. It's not wrong being spiritual, but they turn everything into spiritual warfare all of a sudden. And, you know, they often think that they're more heavenly and So those are things we have to look for. Number two, yeah, oh no, no, hang on, I'm not done yet. <laughs> so he tells a story about learning to discern the difference. And Elder Campbell tells a story about this lady who was who was seeing demons and she was, she was being stepped on by demons. And he said every time she'd come to church for like three or four days in a row, there were this meeting, she kept saying, she said, I've got these demons walking on me, it's hot. They're up and down my arm, I can feel them. In order. I can feel them on me. And he said, "Ma'am," he said, can "I ask you a few questions." And he asked her a few questions, and and he was like, "Okay." And he said, "Well, maybe have you ever went to the doctor and been checked too?" Like, is there? Any? And she said, "Well, no." He said, well, "Why don't you try that 1st We'll pray for you to go to the doctor. She come back, and he said, "Well, what do they tell you?" She said, "Well, I, I'm 50, and apparently I'm going through menopause." <laughs> So what she thought was hot feet was actually hot feet. <laughs> and it wasn't the devil at all. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be uh, 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 his devices or ignorant of his devices. No, I'm not saying that the devil don't attack us. I'm not saying the devil doesn't come as a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm not saying that he doesn't attack us and do things to us. But what I am saying is you need to hear what I already said. I said this once. Learn to discern the difference: right. what is of God, what's of the world, what's of the enemy, and just blatantly what I'm doing to myself. Yeah, I'm overweight. The devil didn't do that. <laughs> Little baby did that. Little <laughs> <laughs> did that. I'm not blaming yeah. the devil for any of this. I'm taking responsibility for my <laughs> actions. The devil didn't do that to me. And so number two, he talks about the roadies. He said these folks are the ones that travel from church to church. And he said they usually are victims. And you know, he, said, he wasn't pointing them, not like, being mean to nobody. He's just pointing out. He said these are things you look for. And he said there's nothing wrong with leaving the church and leaving the church. We understand that happens sometimes. But what he's saying, he said these are the people that will come in and they'll just disrupt everything. You know, they know as soon as you get here they start causing chaos and confusion. And he said it doesn't mean they're not welcome He's not identifying them to make them feel bad. He's trying to make a point. Watch for these things in our church. And once you know what to watch for, it, now we can address it and help these people. Okay? Mm-hmm. So don't think about they taking on people, and, you know, and, and, and saying they're bad. No. We're identifying these because as leaders, we need to know what to look for so we can help people. Because we're not turning people away, we're not pushing them out the door, we're asking them to come in. This is a pretty of prequel, cool too. Uh, the conspiracy theorists. Oh, boy. <laughs> they're usually wrapped up in politics or forming some idea of what's going on in the church. And they're usually loud, and they often like to stir up the flock. <laughs> and the problem with the conspiracy theorists is they always think someone's out to get them, and they're, they always think they're plotting on them. So they're forming ideas and assumptions and speculations. And actually, if if I ever get my book published full capacity, I write about the spirit of speculation and how Mary went to the tomb and said, they have taken Jesus. And God spoke to him and said, who's they? (laughs) Who's they? Now, I know we assume who they is, but they was never part of the puzzle. (laughs) He got up just like he said he would. Praise God. But because in her mind, they took him. She ran back with a message that was wrong. Trust me, I've read that story a hundred times. And she ran back, not with the message of hope like everybody talks about. The first time she ran back and told Peter and John, they have taken our Savior. He's gone. And painted a picture that someone had stolen him. It's in John 19, John 20, if went back checking. But when she went back, that's when she saw Jesus and had the transformation he. Charlie so said, Now I'm going to tell my disciples I'm alive. But do you see what I'm saying? How, if, if we get in our mind, they took him, how we start speculating and assuming and coming up with all these ideas, how we how we can inadvertently bring a bad message to other
2: people and cause them problems
7: and stir up the flock with ideas that Satan just went by and went,
2: Boom.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Saw it on Facebook, must be real. Boom. <laughs> Saw it on Instagram, has to be true. Boom. But they go to the church they said it has to be real. And oh, all these ideas start formulating. And people just keep adding to it. Okay, I'm about out of time. Number five, there's two more. Confrontational ones. Yeah. <laughs> the confrontational chief. They like to threaten. They like to accuse. And they usually demand justice. The confrontational ones, Elder Canfield said, they usually like to feel like God called them to be his right hand of justice. And so they demand justice in the church but he also reminded us that vengeance is mine says the lord
3: amen i'm amen.
7: pretty sure god's arm is longer than mine and, yeah. and last and he talks about several more i'm not going to talk about them. But the last one he talked about was the wayward ones he said you'll have runners there's people that just continue to leave they continue to sin and you know what it's it's funny because at times past i found myself finding it hard to deal with those sometimes because it's amazing the people that I was most like was the ones that I had the most trouble with. Woohoo! Did I just say that? Yes, I did. Because I remember there was a time where I'd left churches and I had went back out into the world and, and I was doing the new drugs. And you know how many times I said in Hail Marys and prayers and asked God to get me clean and then I would go to church two or three times and go back out into the world? You know how many times I did that? What if God gave up on me like we give up on people? Amen. Woo!
2: Amen. What if God said
7: no to me every time I said no to somebody? Amen. And so what he was talking about was the wayward ones. He said, Don't don't just turn your back on them. They leap, they go out, they sin. I'm not saying that's okay. It's not okay. Sin is not right. But tell them they can't ever come back that's just not as right. <laughs> that's right. It's worse. <laughs> that's right. Um, they can't come to God's house and get right and get redemption mm-hmm. and find forgiveness for their sins and find liberty in Christ Jesus. Praise God. That would be wrong to tell them they can't come back. Right. So being a sheepdog isn't always talking to God and angels. <laughs> Matter of fact, he said it like this. Most days you deal with Brother Jess, Sister Bess, and they're a big mess. And that's what being a sheepdog is like. <laughs> That's what being a leader is like, putting up with other people's mess mm-hmm. and your own. Yeah. So in conclusion, he, he he finishes with these two things. He says, talent or character. When it comes to being a sheepdog, nothing is more important than character. Not even talent, what? Not, not even people that can sing good or preach good or talk good or teach good, what? They can do media and sound and they can do cameras and all this, what, that's not more important? He said, no character has nothing to do with your gifting, but it has everything to do with the fruit of the spirit you display in your life. Amen. Mm. He also says faithfulness is required. Sheep dogs do not own the sheep. They manage the sheep. Remember that. Loyalty and trust are essential. <clears throat> they are not spread thin, and you get little of them in church. Chapter 18, and he finishes with this. Sheep dogs should be able to protect the flock from predators, especially wolves. And he talks about the story of Little Red Riding Hood. me two more minutes, I promise. I really done. He tells the story. We all know it, but here's what's interesting about it. He's looking at his talk to see if I'm lying. He's <laughs> telling <tied on> me. <laughs> He's telling me. That's a good pastor right there. He keeps me honest. So Little Red Riding Hood, he goes in, and the wolf's got the cloak on, and then she's like, Grandma, what beer do you have? And so she starts talking about all these attributes of grandma. And I would never noticed that until today. What was so cool was she was not looking for a wolf. Before she noticed the wolf, she noticed something wrong with her grandma. God. Hear me out. God's leaders should know more about the flock and less about the wolves. What? What? What?
2: Yeah. <laughs> God's,
7: God's leaders should know more about And I mean you can you can you can cut it however you want